This is Start Disrupting, a show about the innovator, scientist, and designer disrupting industries and creating 10x impact. I'm your host, Brett Malone, President and CEO of the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Today, my guest is Brian Sullivan. Brian Sullivan is the anchor for CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. He's a Hokie, and you may also know him on many frequent visits on Power Lunch, talking about all things oil and money exchanges. Today, Brian and I get into a conversation about what it takes to be disruptive and how sometimes new technology requires ramping up some of our old technologies. You're not going to want to miss this. Stay tuned. Brian Sullivan coming up. I thought what we could do today is just get your input on a couple of areas. So really what I wanted to focus on is just get some of your perspective on the U.S. competitiveness in technology. And, and what I'm looking to do is just frame a quick conversation around what you're seeing emerging as areas of sort of the battlefield areas for technology. And then, you know, investments that are being made. And then how does a university research park like us play to advance that competitiveness? Listen, I, I, it's a big question. I think you have to define sort of what kind of technology we're talking about. Technology just kind of gets lumped in, you know, technology, but it's, it's so much more than that. I mean, technology could be a cable, charging cable for your iPad, right? A right. low value, low margin, commoditized business, or it could be the metaverse. The metaverse concept is really interesting. First off, cryptos, mm. there's about a hundred of them. I think probably two are going to survive, maybe five, it's like trains. Mm. In 1870, you can invest, <laughs> yeah. have fun, trade, be careful. I hope I'm wrong. I don't want anybody to lose money, but let's be honest. There were like 400 train companies in 1870, like 100 car companies in 1920. Yeah. Every industry goes to two or three leaders, and that's yeah. pretty much it. So yep. that's that. A metaverse is interesting. That's why I think this digital art thing, think about putting on a mask and going through uh, the, the, the digital uh, digital Louvre, if you will. And I know that the Corporate Research Center has got some AI, artificial intelligence companies in there. Machine learning, yep. making machines think from machines, hopefully that humans will be involved in the process. Right. So when I think when it comes to U.S. competitiveness, I think if you're looking for that iPad charging cable, that mule's probably left the barn. But I like the fact that the U.S. government and others, it's not a political statement, I just like the fact that we're investing in semiconductor technologies because semiconductors are the, I mean, they're the, they're the, the blood platelets, if you will, of technology. Right. So I'm glad to see that, that we're going to invest and actually build some facilities in Texas and Arizona. Intel's got a big one up in Oregon. That's high value, high margin, important stuff. You know, it's interesting, too, because the electrification, so electric vehicles, EV, uh, has, has just really exploded. And so this what we're seeing is the integration of multiple technologies, AI. So Torque Robotics here in the park, they're doing self-driving trucks, backed and partnered with time the trucking, you know, and so this intersection of technology around autonomous vehicles, wireless AI that's driving everything. So AI is now becoming more of a, just a platform capability. It's not just one thing. It's not a vertical. It's becoming more horizontal and ubiquitous. So when you think about the investments that the U.S. is making, you talked a little bit about the government investing in semiconductor. What are you seeing also in terms of the infrastructure investments that are being made and how does a research oriented communities start to think about focusing and, and going after things that can make make the U.S. more competitiveness. I think it's going to come down to some, you know, it's funny because we talk about technology and you think it's modern and it's new. I actually 
I actually think some of the key differences are going to be made in some of the, the older sciences, to be, to be perfectly blunt. I mean, I'll give you an example, right? You talk about electric cars, you talk about the electrification, you know, the United States, right? It's probably a slower process than we'd like to think or we'd like it to be because as I've done on my journeys with CNBC, I've been to many of the mines. The irony of green energy is that you have to dig a lot of stuff out of the ground mm. to become, quote, clean. You got to take a giant truck and get rare earth minerals like neodymium, which goes in the production of magnets, which is the key to everything. Your iPhone has 13 tiny neodymium magnets. Teslas have neodymium magnets. Wind turbine has neodymium magnets. All the neodymium in the United States comes from one mine just over the California border from Nevada in called Mountain Pass. I've been there a couple times and it's a giant hole in the ground where they literally use like explosives to blow the hill up and extract stuff. I bring this up because one of my good friends that I lived with my senior year at tech was a mining and minerals engineer major. And the mm -hmm. irony is, I honestly think that the, the sort of the tech boom, especially on that side, is going to increase demand for things like geologists. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, right? But if we want to wean ourselves, you know, we'd like to pretend that everything is clean and great because it's, oh, it's an electric car. Okay, well, it's got maybe nickel or, or cobalt in the battery. And by the way, cobalt is primarily mined in the Democratic Republic of Congo. We're going to have to wean ourselves off of some of these minerals from bad places where their bad mm -hmm. things are being done to, to innocent people. And so I think you're going to see a sprout of things like mining and minerals engineering. I think straight up engineering, Brett, like just if we yeah. want to build out this grid, we better have people that know how to do it. Right. right. We're talking about autonomous cars. Well, you know what I think about civil engineering. I was an urban planning minor at tech, right? City design and stuff like this. I can't build anything. I, I mean, My math skills are <laughs> low, but you've got to have those people. So I think Virginia Tech, honestly, is in, and other engineering institutions are in a sweet spot because to do this, we're not going to need the stuff. We're going to need the people more than we've ever needed them in the past. And I think that's going to be the biggest challenge. Yeah, fundamentals. I'm a minor. <laughs> yeah, infrastructure and fundamentals. And, and like you said, finding technologies or, or finding supporting components that can be scalable. You know, Virginia Tech has recently gotten a lot of requests, obviously just for their student talent pipeline. So the technology talent pipeline in AI and engineering, I mean, we're really working to grow and, and to really provide all of our investments, you know, for those companies. So I think about the interest in the economy, you know, where the workers are going, where they're needed. And now that the pandemic has changed the working environment, so the gig economy workers or the work from anywhere strategy, what, what are you seeing emerging as opportunities for some of our young talent to move into those spaces? I think one thing about the pandemic is we've learned to operate where we prefer to be. Let's say you are a, maybe not, listen, maybe not a brand new tech. You're 24 years old, you're, you're just a graduate of the engineering school or have a business degree. You probably need to be where the action is. Humans still matter. So you need to probably be in DC or Silicon Valley or New York or Charlotte or Atlanta, wherever it might be, because you need to establish human relationships with the people that can lead you. And by the way, people that are going to promote you because mm -hmm. it still comes down to people. That said, I have a good friend of mine. He recently moved, financial executive, long time, and his company let him move back to Roanoke. He went to Cave Spring High School. He's been living in Northern Virginia for 25 years. And guess what? He probably just tripled his effective cost of, you know, his income. Yeah. He's back home. He's mountain biking with his kids. He's yeah. enjoying the new river in the summer. 
He's going back to more tech games. So I think an area like a Blacksburg, which is a really attractive place to just live because it's naturally beautiful. The school's great. It's got some awesome things to do. I think the Roanoke New River Valley, I'm not saying this because we're doing a podcast together. I would tell you <laughs> it's not. I think, I think Blacksburg really and the New River Valley and the whole 81 corridor has a chance to shine. I really do. No, you're right. We've seen a lot of migration. We've seen a lot of people coming here and, and some of the companies are hitting tipping points to where, where there's multiple companies in a cluster, whether it's AI, whether it's autonomous vehicles, whether even biotech are starting to emerge with a, a cluster of life sciences and healthcare, health tech. And so you're right. I mean, they're they're hitting critical mass where somebody can take a look at a company, come here, but then also know that there's options afterwards. That's key, right? I mean, yeah. why did you come back? Yeah, well, the same reason. I mean, quality of life, you know, and, and quality of life, being out in the world and then coming back here and seeing, you know, I've been in San Francisco, I've been in Boston, been in Denver, uh, you know, so I saw spots. all the hot spots. but then coming back here to bring a lot of those experiences back and now help make the connections for the companies here. And our entrepreneurial community is, is very strong. So we, we really give back and try to help mentor and advise and give opportunity for our startups. And, and that's an area where, you know, when I think about clustering and these emerging technology, I don't think people realize what kinds of opportunities are really available to do some of the startups, especially coming out of, out of school like tech. Who's funding it? Where's the capital coming from right now? Well, a lot of it is, you know, grant funding. So we have a really strong research base. So we have a lot of entrepreneurs that are, let's say, investigators, faculty, and they'll convert from grant funding to take an, an emerging technology towards a marketplace. And so there's a lot of risk taken out early on. I think that's, that's a great question, which is how do you capitalize some of these companies that are in more of an area where you're associated with a, a high level, high intellectual confluence You've got a lot of research, a lot of opportunity, but you know you want to attract the money to, to help get it to market. Well, that, that's going to be, I think, really there's the connection with tech. I mean, I think, mm -hmm. oh, by the way, or any research university. Again, I go back to my previous point, people. If you want to get funded, if you want to get somebody to give you money, lots of money, a couple, couple hundred thousand, a couple million, 10 million, whatever the number is, they have to believe in you. I mean, that's, I've been doing this 25 years. I've seen funding on all levels, seen all kinds of startups. The relationship is going to be what matters the most. And if it's, if it's a relationship where either they, obviously they went to tech, they don't know the person, but they went to tech. So they believe in the, the system. They believe in the education or they've been introduced. So to get people to give you money, they got to trust you. They got to believe in you. They got to believe in not only your product, right? Is it scalable? Does it work? Is there a need? Is there a market demand? But they got to believe in you. Mm -hmm. And that's where I guarantee you most of those companies, and I have no way to know this if I'm wrong, tell me, in the research center aren't just based in Blacksburg. They have a reason to be based in Blacksburg other than the people who founded it went to tech. I guarantee you some of the money behind the scenes is a tech-related six degrees of separation problem. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and one of the things that, that makes Blacksburg great is you do have this quality of life. You know, what I really wanted to do on this is to just you have so much exposure to so many different perspectives and you know what we're trying to build and what we're trying to expand across virginia and provide opportunity you know we just want to make sure that we're aligned with where we see opportunity going where are the opportunities and what are some of the trends and and we want to make sure that our companies have the best opportunity to to take advantage of those trends you know it's like blacksburg is a special place and that's kind of what we like about it 
I know we're building out in Northern Virginia. I think that we got to be careful. Just don't ruin this. Don't make it like, you know, some school where it's, it's all scattered all over the place. I won't name names. There's, there's a couple of, there's one in New Jersey I'm thinking of, <laughs> you know, where you don't feel like you're that on that campusy thing. I think that's the beauty of tech. Mm. Mm-hmm. But going back to your primary topic, I think that being up there attached to Amazon is going to open all kinds of doors. I think that making sure people know what we are, there's a lot of capital out there, yep. right? Hokey capital. Hey, I know yeah. you're short on time. What are you bullish on and what do you recommend in terms of some of our young entrepreneurs? Give us a little bit of advice on where they should be thinking and, and what do you see emerging? First thing I'll do is go back to what I've said a few times. I know it's annoying to repeat yourself. I'm getting old, but humans matter. Trust me more than ever before. I know that, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's like, we're digitally native. But I will say this. Uh, you got to think sometimes like an older person when you're young, which sounds weird because they want everyone to think like them. Like, while well, I'm young, just hit mm-hmm. me up on Snapchat. That's fine. <laughs> But the relationships you're going to make, if somebody's going to write you a giant check, they need to look you in the eye and know that, you know, you're going to right. try your best or you've got some great idea or you're most importantly a person to be trusted. So just because we're older doesn't mean we don't have the ideas. That's number one. So I'm bullish on human relationships. I am bullish on the electrification cycle. Like I cover yeah. energy for CBC and I don't think there's any more interesting space in the next 10 years figuring out how to move us around in a clean, energy efficient way. I believe is really the future and maybe your autonomous drone well, will, will I, make a drone big enough to literally pick us up. I love the and idea. Fly us to to Davidson so we're not late for chemistry class. I need to hop but I'm, I know I'm you so do. honored to be a part of this and you're doing great work and the CRC is doing great work and can't wait to get back to the bird. Sounds There's good. Some of those drones that come get me here in New Jersey. Thanks again for your time. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Anytime. I bought a zero. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And uh, you know, the te- the, I've ridden one. They're it's fast. Incre- it's incredibly fast and uh, love to get out on the track. And I know you do, too. But uh, what track? Where do you go? VIR? Uh, VIR, go down to road Atlanta. Uh, yeah, all, all over the place. We got to get together, then, Summit. man, because I'll be racing road Atlanta in uh, mid-March. Oh, OK. I, I think uh, we go down with our bikes in April. So by we'll the way, to... there are some incredibly fast Hokies in my class. We've got a national champion, Trey Ayers. And a guy named Charles Russell Turner. I've never met the guy. He went to tech. He's got to be one of the fastest racers in the in the country. Yeah. All in my class. The guy would dust me, but he's a tech graduate. Um, there's some. There's a lot of VT stickers on race cars out there. Oh he's yeah. I'll send you a picture of my bike, and uh, next time you're at VIR, let me know. I'll come over. That's sort of our home track over here. No, I I, I raced there the day it opened. The the fir- I was the first race uh, on the track for my group, and uh, nice back. God, 2000. That was still when, that was that was when they still had the tree down at the corner. No, right? 19, 2000. Yeah, oak, well, the oak tree. Oak, yeah, no, oak I, tree I watched corner. The guys hit the oak tree, <laughs> trying to make a pass on the inside and yes. get boxed out. So it's not um, not even there anymore. But the turn no, is still just not. as hairy. But I will ping you. I'll take you up on that. And that's it for this episode. Subscribe to Start Disrupting wherever you get your podcast. We have a new disruptor on our show every two weeks, and you're not going to want to miss it. Check out vtcrc.com for the latest on our research park and over 225 companies that call us home. Until next time, always change the game.